The following program originally aired on March 8, 2017. Welcome to Grace and 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. This is Ed Mellick, and I'm joined by my co-host Sal Dietry. Sal, are you pumped tonight? Ed, my friend, uh, great show tonight. Look, ask yourself, listeners, where would we be without family and friends? The answer too often, sadly, is homeless and possibly on the streets. Miracle Message is our guest tonight help people experiencing homelessness to record short videos for their long-lost relatives. They use social media and volunteers to locate these loved ones and try to deliver the messages as a way of reuniting families. Restoring these relationships is their goal. It's the start of a a hopeful recovery process. They have an amazing mission uh, to unite 1% of the world's homeless population with their relatives by 2021. How amazing to use this technology, and wouldn't it be great if we could all stop maybe texting and selfies and other things and use this technology to end homelessness and help our neighbors in need. Today we're joined by Kevin Adler, the founder and CEO of Miracle Messages. He joins us to share how this idea came about, some of the amazing stories of family reunions, and a plan to reach this audacious goal. Kevin, welcome to Grace in 30. Hey, Grace and 30, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me on the program. I first found out about you guys by my daughter. She's a senior in college in uh, Brooklyn, New York. And she stumbled upon one of your videos and sent it to me. And I thought, wow, this is amazing organization. Got to get these guys on the show. Maybe a, a really good place to start is just to talk about when you did this first video message. What, what, what was your motivation? And just describe to us what happened when you first decided to go out on the streets and interview someone and try this. Well, I, I love to, I'll share that story. And just as a quick aside, I love that uh, your daughter uh, found us, you know, prior to Miracle Messages, I started a, um, a project helping homeless individuals capture and share their stories using GoPro cameras. And it was literally homeless individuals wearing wearable cameras and narrating their experiences. And one of the most powerful moments uh, that we captured and we'd see this over and over again is when a child would start walking towards a person on the streets and then a parent would pull them back um, and so it's just a testament I think to you as a, as a parent to have uh, clearly raised uh, you know a daughter who when they she sees a program like this it, it still wasn't pulled back but reaches forward and engages so kudos to you well, thank you um, yeah. So, you know, my uncle, uh, Mark, lived on and off the streets for 30 years. Uh, he suffered from schizophrenia, um, but I didn't know him as a homeless man. Uh, he was my beloved uncle. He remembered every birthday, uh, was the guest of honor at Thanksgiving and Christmas. And so when he passed away, I started saying hello and having conversations with people in similar situations. Uh, to try to hear their stories and understand their world. What I heard, quite frankly, surprised me. Uh, Over and over again, I heard different versions of the same story. I never realized I was homeless when I lost my housing, only when I lost my family and friends. Hmm. And so it was with that in mind that two years ago at Christmas time, 
I took a walk down Market Street in San Francisco uh, with uh, warm tea, hot biscuits, and a very simple question. Do you have any family or friends you'd like to record a message to for the holidays? And I went up to every person who was on the streets, and I met a man named Jeffrey who said he hadn't seen his family in 22 years. So he said he'd like to record a video, recorded a video to his niece and nephew, Josh and Rachel, and his sister. And uh, I go home that night, and I have this video on my phone. And I just, I was like, what am I supposed to do with this? So I go on Facebook, and I find a Facebook group connected to his hometown. So I post the video there and say, hey, here's a little bit of information I collected. Within one hour, that video was shared hundreds of times, liked hundreds of times, made the local news that night at the leading story, and within the first 20 minutes, his sister was tagged in the post, essentially went viral within that town Facebook page. I have a call with her the next day, and she says that not only has Jeffrey been out of touch for 22 years, he's been a missing person for 12 years. Hmm. And, and that was Christmas Eve when you talked to her? That's right. And so then the question became, how many more are there? Was Jeffrey the only one? And so I quit my job and started doing this full time with this vision of reuniting a million people and ending, uh, envisioning a world without homelessness where people will still experience houselessness, where people will still sometimes not have that physical housing, but whether they have housing or not, uh, that they're offered this social support system and sense of belonging that they have what we call a social home um, and, and feel at home uh, either in the community where they're in with their neighbors providing that or by reconnecting with their loved ones. So you, you quit your job. I mean, what were you doing at that point? Uh, I was working in the education tech space. So I have a background with startups, um, had been in, you know, kind of Silicon Valley startups for a bit. And it's uh, just, you know, the opportunity to really uh, make a difference uh, and not just kind of walk to work in my own head thinking of the difference I wanted to make but not really seeing it materialize. Uh, you know, that, that draw was just too, too great for me to, to resist. So it almost seems like a sort of a higher purpose, a higher calling for you, correct? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this uh, it started out with a question that I asked uh, which asked myself, which was, how would Jesus use a smartphone, or how would Jesus use a GoPro camera? And uh, that that really is what compelled me to start thinking about these questions on a deeper level. So I'm curious, how how many you've been doing this for a couple of years now, correct? Yep, two and a half years now. So how many reunites have you been a part of? Well, I think there's been about forty to fifty uh, that we've helped facilitate at this point. So uh, we've had volunteers uh, in their local communities reach out and say, how can I do this in my area? Uh, so we have a, you know, a process for doing that. Uh, if folks, you know, go to our website, miraclemessages.org. They can sign up and get involved in their local community. But I think between the work I've personally done and then increasingly our, our network of volunteers around the country, uh, there's been probably about 40 to 50 uh, reunions that we've uh, we've been able to facilitate. That's great. You know, Ed, this reminds me of our first guest, Milton Brown, uh, who was homeless for for uh, several years, 
uh, and had addiction problems for almost 30 years. And one of the biggest things he said is that the homeless just want to be treated like you and I. They just would like someone to yeah. greet them, say hello on the street. And often people will pass us. They might say hello. They might say, God bless you. And instead of just saying hello back, which might be the, the, the thing that might help that person get by in that day, we just blow right past these folks. And, you know, as you point out, Kevin, how important that first engagement is, just that simple mm-hmm. hello that might start a relationship. Maybe you're not comfortable on the first day, but, you know, a, a mm-hmm. few kind words every day. And, and maybe, you know, some of our listeners could be among your volunteers. It also reminds me of, uh, Ed, of our guest, um, the folks at ACEBAN, the Arlington uh, Street Person Assistant Network, who Kathy Siebert, their CEO, said, you know, what you're really talking about here is homelessness because people can't conquer addiction and other things until they get the support of family. And that was a big theme for her was they've got to reconnect with that family because that's really the the institution for them going forward. I get asked all the time, if I see a person on the streets, if I see a homeless person, what should I do? Or what should I say to a homeless person? And, uh, you know, I, I actually respond very simply, which is I think the, the problem is in, in, like, what you need to do when you meet this person. It, it's in the fact that it, uh, the question itself, you know, you'd never look at me and see me as a housed person, right? Yep. I, it just is an identity that doesn't make sense. We're defining someone by what they're lacking in terms of one physical need. So if you begin... By seeing a person, and it's not just a semantics, if you really look at a person and instead of seeing them as defined by the fact that they don't have housing, see them as someone's brother or sister, uh, mother or father, son or daughter, or, you know, perhaps someone's uncle. You know, this is why we say everyone is someone somebody. So if you begin with that, we're actually pretty well designed as human beings to interact with each other and to engage and offer a sense of belonging, support, conversation. You know, we don't need all that much training uh, or, or research on, on how to have a conversation with each other. This is what we do every minute of the waking day, it feels like. Yeah, we're you designed know. for community. How about that? We're designed for community. Look, yeah. along those lines, tell us some of your favorite Reconnect stories. You know, you talked about, I think, uh, an article. You talked about a guy named Ben who was reunited with his brother 17 years apart, checked himself into rehab. Tell us a couple of your one or two of your favorite reuniting stories? Well, Ben's story is pretty incredible, just to start with that one. So, you know, I met him at, uh, at a, a program. We, we partner with local service providers. And so I uh, went there and shared this work and, you know, came up very uh, kind of, you know, reluctantly, but clearly with the desire of, of learning more. And uh, he ended up recording a message to his brother and uh, hadn't seen him in 17 years, uh, posted the video, and in the course of just a few days, you know, found his brother. And then when we find, uh, we, we got a hold of his brother, he was excited to reconnect. We couldn't find Ben again. Um, and that, that happens quite a bit. And just this is a, uh, just a kind of a, a snapshot of the power of love and, and relationships to persist over, in this case, 17 years. Uh, his brother flew from Texas to San Francisco and showed up at the service event without telling us ahead of time just to see if his brother Ben would be there. Wow, that's great. And that day, he wasn't there that day, but what was crazy is the day before he left, I ended up running into Ben 
and uh, just, you know, walking down the street, seeing if I could find him in the area of town where I knew he'd be. And, uh, yeah, they were able to, uh, to reconnect. And, uh, and yeah, shortly after that reunion, he decided to check himself into rehab and um, has been going through that program ever since. Yeah, and some of your stories are, you know, people, uh, you, you talk about a, a gentleman named Isaac re- reunited with his family 40 years apart, now living with them. Uh, but, but also a guy named Alex who came to you after walking into Homeward Bound in, in San Francisco. And within 24 hours, you all had him on a bus uh, heading back to his family. I mean, social media is so powerful as, as a mechanism now to make these things happen. I mean, anything you'd like to summarize about these encounters? It seems like there's there's never a bad time, right? I guess would be the obvious. But anything you'd like to summarize about uh, some of these amazing stories? Yeah, I mean, you, I think you bring up a really good point, um, which is there. The technology has enabled us uh, to traverse, you know, geographic boundaries, time, dislocation, uh, so that we can finally reconnect people. The challenge isn't the technology. The challenge is the emotional side. It's the relational side. That's much harder. That's something that we can't just automate uh, and expect social media or a smartphone or an app to, to solve. Um, you know, it really gets to the reason why people are disconnected in the first place. You know, we have conversations with folks and, you know, if they say that they're interested in reconnecting and then they change their mind, the most common response as to why they've changed their mind is they say, I can't, I feel dirty Hmm. or I feel embarrassed. I feel ashamed. And so, you know, there is a technological barrier that some individuals face on the streets, you know, whether it's digital literacy, access to a computer, uh, familiarity on how to use Facebook, uh, a phone that doesn't get stolen, that's fully charged up. These are all real issues. It's not to discount that. But what it really comes down to it is uh, just feeling uh, ashamed, embarrassed, feeling like, uh, you know, a worthless person. Um, and the cool thing about that, as, as awful as that is, is that's something that's totally addressable by us as neighbors. Uh, you know, we're really well equipped to help people realize their emotional and social worth and uh, help build their self-esteem. And we can play that role every single day without opening up our pocketbook or, uh, you know, handing someone, you know, a, a dollar or, 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 you know, something of that sort. Yeah, I mean, that's the premise of our show, right? Acts of Grace. Let's get the listeners uh, locally here in D.C. and around the country off the couch and and do something. Kevin, uh, welcome. Look, your website statistics are um, amazing. Forty uh, percent of all reunions have led to stable housing or living with family again. Ninety percent of loved ones just excited to reconnect. And, and yet people have been separated over 10 years. Tell us a little bit about that because it... As you say, often maybe sometimes people don't want to reconnect, but yet all these things that we say are barriers seem to be broken down, right? And and that the, these things come together. Tell us a bit about that and what you've learned about the homeless uh, in this experience. Well, uh, you know, I, I, and when it comes down to it, um, you know, people are people, as my mom used to say. Uh, you know, I think we're... I mean, we live in a hyper-partisan moment, right? And, and you, you guys know this better than anyone. You're in Virginia. Yeah, right? we're, we're, in, and, and, we're in the heat of the battle here. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, so you're, 
on everyone's political roadmap of where things are swinging. And, you know, look, when it comes down to it, you know, we're all just people. And in fact, we need to move away from defining people who disagree with us as other. You know, I mean, this is, I think, some of the challenge when we get too much into identity politics. This is the challenge when we get too much into labels. Um, it can be incredibly dismissive. Um, where it's really an us versus them. And, and in my view, we're all in this together. You know, life is can be filled with pain. There's a lot of vulnerability. Uh, and that's actually a source of strength. I, I think it, once we put down the facade and we say, look, you know, we're all dealing with similar feelings of hope and, and frustration and, and disconnect and loneliness. I mean, the things that we're working with individuals on the streets and helping them uh, overcome. It's really relationship brokenness, and that's something we all experience. So I think that, to me, is the hope that if we focus on our shared vulnerability, our shared uh, experience as humans, that actually is a source of strength and bonding and allows us to find a common cause that we wouldn't if we get hyper, hyper-partisan or uh, you know, defining people in terms of one category. That's right. We're all God's children. That's right. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. you saw I wrote in the notes that I sent to you that we had a guest on the program months back who runs David's Tent. I don't know if you're familiar with that in downtown D.C., but in, mm. in, a, in a book he wrote called David's Tent, he quoted a guy named Ron Bohm who uh, had a blog, and he said one he, he said the homelessness is not a problem of the lack of finances or occupation. He explained that it's actually a problem of relationship. I've heard it said that every problem in the world is a problem of relationship. When a person is homeless, is there no one who loves them enough to take them in? That's really nails it on the head, I think, and it's really in, in agreement with what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. I, I was just uh, in D.C. for a couple conferences, and I went on a morning run, and I ran right by david's tent dc and i hadn't had a chance to look up what it was but i stopped i walked around it i just felt such a uh, visible presence there so i just uh that's incredible that you just mentioned that because i i just discovered it a couple days ago on my road that's our that's our motto we're connectors we connect good people with good people yeah you do <laughs> well actually wow. i think god's orchestrating all this so we have to pull back and not take credit all right but that's really cool um, so, so really, relationships is one thing. I think I noticed a couple more things uh, on your website. You, you talk about the lack of affordable housing. That's a major problem. And really the brokenness of the homeless uh, shelter model. Can, can you share a few things on yeah. that with us? Yeah, I mean, this is where I, uh, I don't know if you have a switchboard for phone calls, but this is where it might light up, but uh, so be it. Um, <laughs> We'll hold them back. I, uh, I have experienced uh, and I have had conversations with others who have experienced what I would call the homelessness industrial complex. And uh, we're all familiar with Eisenhower's famous warning in his farewell address around the military industrial complex, which uh, it seems we haven't really heeded as a country, but that's another conversation. Uh, but the homelessness industrial complex is quite similar. And what we've seen is that uh, not all organizations, but some of the larger ones, um, they get into the business not of uh, helping people get off the streets, but if they get into the business of providing more and more units of the service that they provide. Um, and this is uh, a kind of a vicious cycle because it's you know well-intentioned people. It's not a malicious thing for the most part. 
um, who are trying to do good work, but they have a funding mandate that's very narrowly defined uh, in terms of perhaps it's, uh, you know, it's, it's shelter or, it's, you know, housing. And look, it's not to discount any of this work. It's all part of it. But that's just the thing is we as people are incredibly complex. You know, Maslow's Pyramid is not just a base. It's not just, you know, Maslow's foundation. It's an entire pyramid, and that includes food, water, shelter, but it also includes emotional, social, spiritual health, sense of belonging, self-esteem, self-actualization, community. Um, and, and so I just find it frustrating that, you know, we've had instances where, you know, an individual on the streets will invite us to the uh, to the shelter, or perhaps a caseworker will take up the cause and say, wow, this is such a great offering. We'd love to have this here. And then once it gets to the higher-ups, uh, they really push back. And, you know, they'll cite confidentiality. They'll cite privacy. But at the end of the day, if you walk into a, a lot of these shelters um, and you look to your left and you look to your right, you'll see bulletin boards. And on those bulletin boards, there's missing person flyers. Um, and that's because there's this weird uh, double uh this double-sided wall where if a person on the streets is there you know and the loved one shows up looking for them they can't confirm or deny whether that person's there uh, so they end up having these bulletin boards and it, it, to me it's just totally unnecessary you know we can people on the streets uh you know we can go through the same informed consent uh, processes risks responsibilities make sure people understand what they're getting into and then be able to, you know, help them reconnect to their family and friends. They shouldn't just be sent away to the library if they don't know how to connect with their loved ones. So you guys, you're going to work to, to make an impact on the system and you're, you've got this crazy goal, 1% of all homeless people by 2021. Tell us how you're going to do that. What, what are your plans? What cities are you in? What cities are you preparing to launch in? Is a lot of this happening organically right now where people are reaching out to you and you're like, yeah, here's the, yeah. Here's the template, just do it? Or is there sort yeah. of a grander plan emerging? Yeah, people, so it's a little bit of both. You know, people, I mean, go to our website, miraclemessages.org, uh, or on Facebook, which is just Miracle Messages, uh, and people can get involved that way. I mean, I'll tell you, we've had 5,000 people reach out wanting to start chapters or get involved in their local community. Wow, that's great. Um, yeah, it's been incredible. Uh, we we really just are developing out the bandwidth to uh, provide for those 5,000 people, you know. So we're looking for corporate sponsors and individuals who are, you know, inspired by this work to come in as, uh, you know, investors, uh, you know, supporters, donors. Um, you know, so there's a whole piece to that. Um, but, yeah, I think at the end of the day, uh, we envision a world without homelessness. Uh, that's different than houselessness. You know, episodic houselessness will still exist from time to time. You know, people struggling with mental illness, mass migration of people. I mean, refugees, asylum seekers, displacement, uh, losing a job, eviction. These things are horrible and they happen. Uh, but I do believe we can live in a world in our lifetimes in the near future where homelessness no longer exists. And what I mean by that is where every single person, whether they have physical housing or not, feels a sense of belonging and a, has a social support system that's there for them, um, where everyone feels a social home 
wherever they live. And so, you know, reuniting one million people by 2021 is um, will be one major initiative towards that, you know, audacious goal. So we've got a few more minutes, and we try to end every show by having our guest issue a call to action or or several calls to action. And uh, we want to open up that to you. How do you want to challenge our listeners? And it can be, you know, in general regarding the homeless. It can be sharing things about the homeless with them, and it can be something very specific that you need to to accomplish your goals. Right. Yeah, I think at a basic level, people, you know, I would tell your listeners – I'd kind of flip it to them. I'd say, you know, you know your communities best. You know where, uh, you know, God uh, or higher power or your work or your passion, whatever you believe in, you know where it's directing you. And to not be afraid, uh, to not be afraid of engaging with your neighbors, uh, people on the streets, living there day in and day out, uh, because as much as their lives may be transformed, I think you know, the listeners' lives, and certainly my life has been much more transformed than any lives I've transformed in this process. Um, And if folks want to uh, get involved in this work, either uh, recording messages in their communities or helping with the detective work to locate loved ones, to reach out to potential leads, to facilitate reunions, you know, digital work, uh, they can do that. They can go to our website, miraclemessages.org, or on Facebook, Miracle Messages, and we'd love to have them. Um, and then if anyone feels so inspired to, uh, you know, to make a, a contribution another way, whether it's financial or kind of strategic guidance or helping with uh, kind of corporate sponsorships, we, we always welcome that as well. Have you been talking to anybody in the D.C. metro area or Arlington, Fairfax County, uh, Maryland? We have a handful of uh, great uh, volunteers who are excited to get a chapter going in D.C. and Arlington. Um, we haven't been able to get it going yet. It is actually harder in larger cities uh, to get these chapters up and going. Um, and what we're really looking for is an initial nonprofit partner to really come in and, uh, you know, we don't, we try to, at this stage of our, you know, training and support services, we try to avoid encouraging people to walk the streets and, you know, record messages from people, you know, on the streets, like having conversations, building relationships, great, but we just don't want to make sure it it doesn't get into exploitation or voyeurism. Um, But we work with nonprofit partners. So if there's any nonprofits that work with homeless clients, we'd love to uh, partner with them in D.C., and that will really help catalyze a chapter. Yeah, and I think we can connect you here. Look, we have uh, Arlington Food Assistance Center, who's retweeted um, uh, the fact that you're on this show tonight. We've got A-SPAN. We've got amazing organizations like Columbia United Methodist rebuilding their church to include affordable housing. We also have the largest millennial population of any county in the United States. I think we, we can help put something together, um, you know, as Ed said, through God's grace, but we could we can help be a connector for you, I, I think. And, and I think this is a phenomenal area because, look, with all the good things I said, we have homeless on the streets here in Arlington yeah. uh, day after yeah. day. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Look, Kevin, we're going to have to wrap it up. Uh, thank you so much. Sure. Let's continue the conversation. Uh, for listeners who want to find out more about Miracle Messages, check them out on the web at www.miraclemessages.org. A replay of this show can be found at graceand30.com and will replay on WERA 24 hours uh, available after tonight's airing. 
Uh, there will also be a replay this Sunday at 8.30. Ed, talk us out of here. This is Ed and Sal signing off from Grayson 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. Have a great night and be sure to tune into Grace.